The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. It's our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. I'm vaccinated. My hometown's opening up. The CDC says I can take off my mask when I jog. And it doesn't feel the way that I thought it would. My friend Claire's a songwriter, and last week she wrote the song and she just texted me a phrase. And here, I'll play you a little bit. Maybe I'm just waiting for the fireworks and cheesy parades. Romance in the avenues, they'll shower us in ticker tape. Some royal decree to set us all free. Everyone will hear the bells, we will hear them ring. Those lyrics, they really got to me. I think it's because the quarantine started so abruptly, but it's ending unevenly. In fits and starts, and in some places, really not at all yet. And nothing is wrong here where I am. Not in the way that it was. But nothing feels right. Nothing feels anything at all. This week, Kimberly Johnson joins us to talk about the blahs. Kim's just published this book called Call of the Wild, How We Heal Trauma, Awaken Our Own Power, and Use It for Good. She's a healer. She'll explain how life socializes us not to feel our feelings. She'll help us understand our nervous systems better, really, I mean, this episode is a lesson in our nervous systems. And Kim's going to give us an exercise to move us through the collective trauma that we have all just endured together. Here's Kim. Yes, we've been through a collective trauma, but it's been so individual. And that makes it hard for us to validate our own experience because we have a version of survivor's guilt. A lot of people, we know that some people have lost family members, lost parts of their health, and if if our difficulties like mine, I mean, okay, tons of people migrated, tons of people went different places. It's like I'm I'm in relatively good shape, you know. I still have a job that I love. I have my daughter's healthy. She's in a good school, and yet there's still these feelings. And I think that even before the pandemic, this has also always been a challenge for people is reconciling how we want things to be in our mind, how we think they should be in our mind, and then what's actually happening in our emotions and our sensations and our physicality. Let us not normalize what we've been through. So separation, um, communication through screens, communication through, through masks, we can adapt to do those things so much so that they start to feel normal. And then it feels alarming when we don't have those barriers between us. And how do we get from that place into a place where that which is physiologically adaptive, which is mammals need other mammals, and we need to be around other people, but we also have to dose that. So at the high line, I really want this book to provide language to people for them to contextualize their experience and to really understand from the physiological perspective what's happening. Because when we can understand it not as a rational choice or something that we can overpower with our willpower, or if we just did more affirmations or, or had a better morning routine that somehow that's going to manage this anxiety, restlessness, isolation, and loneliness that I'm hearing from everyone, 
then we can start to move it from there. And the thing that stress becomes trauma when there's not mobilization. Break that down a little bit. Stress becomes trauma when there's not mobilization as in when we don't give that stress a what? Like what? Explain that a little bit. So I'd like to just do like a brief pencilation of the cascade of nervous system responses because I think people can really locate where they're at in that cascade. What we've really been hearing about is that the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight and the parasympathetic is rest or digest. And so a lot of people are just going around saying like, I'm so fight or flight right now. I don't know what to do about that. But what, we ha- what we've learned through polyvagal theory is that our sympathetic nervous system, which has gotten this label of kind of being bad, like I don't want to be fight or flight, is actually what wakes us up in the morning. It's what gives us energy. It's what uh, makes us focused on a target and like willing to go towards it. Our parasympathetic dorsal system is the rest and digest when we feel safe. And it's also what allows you to rest and slow down. But we have a whole other level of our nervous system as well that's called the social nervous system. And that's lesser known because it's newer in the literature. The social nervous system, when we feel safe, is we feel that we belong. And we feel that we don't have to be the same to belong. So we've been through many levels of nervous system events in this last year. And the pandemic would fall in the trauma category as an inescapable attack. The same kind of a category as like a car accident. Kim, I want to back up a second because I think that there's like a piece of the infrastructure of this conversation that we need to explore before we can really get into it. And that is that so often you're intellectually talking yourself out of the right to feel anything that you feel before you ever get to the feeling part of feeling it at all, right? And I think we often get stopped up there. We get stopped up because we think that these are things that we can solve and experience in our minds and in our heads if we just talk about it. And in talking about it, if we can just rationalize ourselves out of it. And frankly, I think there are a lot of listeners right now listening to this who are maybe feeling like, uh, like, like feeling nothing. Like I'm going to try to tell you right now, I'm feeling nothing. Yes. And it's not that they're feeling nothing. It's that they're so far up in their head that they can't connect to anything that their nervous system, their body may be experiencing. That numbness is actually a low level parasympathetic freeze response. So on my own trajectory of learning about the nervous system and learning about how my own nervous system works is I realized that confusion, disorientation, and apathy, those are low-level freeze responses. So they Mm -hmm. absolutely, like you're saying, it is a response to get out of our body and into rationalization because it it doesn't feel like a safe place to be. And we're afraid of those big feelings, sensations, Um, images. But this thing that you're saying of like, ugh, I just, I'm not excited about anything. Um, I don't even know why I'm supposed to be excited. Um, I thought I would want to go to a party. I get to the party. I want to leave right away. All of that is a low level parasympathetic freeze response. It's a Mm -hmm. default collapse. That's just like, I don't have the energy. I don't have the healthy sympathetic motivation to do it. And it makes all the sense in the world. So the first step is always, always, always radical self-compassion. It doesn't matter what anyone else has experienced 
We've all been inundated by polarized responses about everything. And we just actually have to come home to our own body. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, what I'm thinking is, tell me how to do that, Kim. Can, can you tell me how to do radical self? Is there, is there like a five-step plan for how I can accept and love myself and be as kind to myself as I am to my newborn daughter? I don't have a five-step plan for you. It's not a linear process. Genuine connection is part of what takes us out of parasympathetic freeze. Somatic work in general, it's not just about feeling your feelings. I mean, people have been doing that in therapy for at least 30 years. It goes beneath that. It's like, where is that living inside of you? Not an analysis of that, an actual scan of that. One thing that happens when we look at screens a lot and when we have been in trauma is that our world narrows. It's like having blinders on and the blinders suddenly coming in, 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 in. And when we're training ourselves towards screens, that is the physiology of a narrowing of experience. All of these responses that we're having are completely adaptive. We should be feeling low-level immobilizations because we have been immobilized. Immobilization is when you have an impulse and your body's like, I want to do this. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but I can't do that because it's not safe or because I'm not allowed or because I'm not even sure. And then you thwart the impulse. We've all done that thousands and thousands and thousands of times during the last year and a half. That is a very unusual experience. And those thwarted impulses, are they get stuck in the body if they don't have anywhere to go. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Kim shares an exercise we can all do together now to begin to notice more of our experiences. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Kimberly Johnson. And full disclosure, Kim's a good friend. She was my first housemate after college in this tiny New York City apartment. She took me to my first yoga class, which is all to say that Kim's been training herself to pay attention since we met, which was a very long time ago. 
She has this exercise we can all do to start to notice and understand ourselves more. So um, you can take, if people are listening and maybe they're on their iPhone or, you know, they've got headsets on or wherever you're at, the good thing about audio is that your visual field is free. Then you can actually look up at the horizon or above the horizon. And when you do that, you can start to notice, do you feel your peripheral vision opening? And do you have more of a sense of where you're located in space? So wherever you are, do you have a sense of how much space you're taking up? And do you have a sense of like how far the back of your head is to the wall behind you, the car seat that you're sitting in? Can you slow down a little bit and just notice what's happening. Now, for a lot of people, that's already very alarming. If you've spent a lot of your life dissociated or in hyper-rationalization, which our culture really you know, encourages in a way, um, then sometimes it feels very frightening to go inside. In that case, if someone's perceiving that, another good reason to actually take in your environment, look up and out, and then when you come back to yourself, really feeling the contours of your skin. So if you're listening and you can, really feeling your own body with your hands. Our boundary is our physical skin. That's what separates us literally inner world and outer world. And what's happening right now is our inner worlds are so chaotic and we don't have the nervous system language. So we're just spinning in there of like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't know what to do. How am I going to get out of this? I have to keep going forward. Uh, we actually have to locate ourselves and then we know what's originating from us. So what's happening out there in the world is that we've been through this long period of immobilization and what usually happens is there's a pendulation. And when you go through a long period of immobilization, you pendulate to a high level fight response, which is indignation, rage, and annihilation. And you see this fire hosing that's happening of all of our our rage that's just going everywhere. And social media is a perfect place for that to happen because you don't actually have to work anything out with anyone. And so it's true. I really want people to know what is originating inside themselves. And then are we seeing what's outside of us accurately? Because our nervous system state in polyvagal theory, we say story follows state. Our entire culture is built on the opposite. It's built on do a to-do list and decide how you want to feel and feel that way. You just make a choice. Make a choice to be happy. Make a choice to be to have fun. Um, you just top down that shit, like just however you can. You just top down it. Just like double down, work harder, get support. Okay, but like get support so you can be more productive, not get support so that you could like chill for a second. This is the opposite. It's your state is going to, like a tennis ball machine, throw out the thoughts that you're having. So if you're feeling a low level of mobilization, you are going to procrastinate. You are going to feel uninspired and without purpose. You are going to feel almost like an existential crisis, which I imagine most of us have been having because this pandemic has been showing us lots of ways that we're not in alignment and we're we're asking ourselves as individuals to reckon with a collective difficulty. I always have thought, well, if I can just name the thing that happened to me or the event or the external trauma 
And uh, I've looked inside my mind, inside my memory for how to do that. But actually, my body perhaps contains more truths than my mind does when it comes to understanding trauma and maybe unlocking and releasing trauma is as simple as stopping the narratives that I have about it already and learning to listen differently. And to me, your book is an invitation to learn how to listen differently. Yeah, the why is that meaning channel where we just wind ourselves around the meaning, the meaning, the meaning. And oftentimes it's the first place we go. I mean, it happened to me the other day. I got in a car accident. I was not even pulled over to the side of the road before I was already going, I wonder if the universe is telling me to slow down. This must mean something. Maybe this is a bad omen. And then I found that meaning that I was already going to. And I was like, oh, you're feeling really vulnerable. And you're feeling really afraid right now. And your system is like not really taking in all of this information. You're overwhelmed. I was in it. I was the middle of a pileup wondering, Ooh. was it my fault or not? And I'm fine. And I, and my body's fine. And um, it resolved, but it just really showed me. I, you know, I've been a practitioner for 10 years. I know all this material, but that jump up out of just the visceral vulnerability of like, whoa, uh, was so fast. And in this kind of work, we really ask the question, what is happening rather than why is it happening? The meaning actually still comes, but it comes from a different place and it's non-negotiable meaning. What do you mean by non-negotiable meaning? I mean a knowingness that's incontrovertible. We know it in our bones. I'm always surprised by the degree to which when I land on the knowingness, the thing that I'm most afraid of evaporates. I think people have this idea and a lot of people come to session with me and they're like, you know, of course they want to feel better. They want to solve their problem. They pretty much are sure they know what their problem is. But my thing is always, if we knew what our problem is, we'd have the solution. We're not accurately defining the problem. We're not actually noticing what is the sequence and the rhythm of things that are happening and how can I interrupt that sequence with compassion so that there's a higher level of organization. You know, so much of your work centers on the importance of connection as a way to resolve loneliness, but more than that, to like to elevate our purpose, to elevate our ability uh, to make us the best forms of humans that we can be. And being connected is hard in the best of times, but after this year, it is so hard. And there are so many ways in which maybe our physical selves have wanted to com connect with people over the last year and a half that we have had to overwrite with our minds. And a really great example of that that you talk about is, is masks, how we needed masks but masks did a thing to us that was not a useful thing. I wonder if you might describe that. Our entire autonomic nervous system, which is comprised of the social nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, is organized to scan the world for our sense of safety, to keep us safe. And at the social nervous system level, we're unconsciously scanning each other's face and facial expressions all the time to tell us, is this person with us or against us? Are they understanding us? Do they like us? Do they want us to come closer? Or do they want us to get farther away? And we're doing this both consciously and unconsciously all the time. Well, you put a mask on and you've only got about somewhere between 30% and 50% of someone's face to see how they're responding to you. 
that is a big handicap because it's taking away our innate way that we're perceiving if this person is somebody that wants to be around us and that we can trust. So I've been joking because now it feels to me that wearing a mask, it's like a, like taking the mask down is like the new striptease, like the reveal of the nose and the mouth. Uh, it's been really interesting for me to see because um, it definitely impacts some people way more than others, which are the people that are even more reliant on those social connections to determine their level of safety. But it's normal for all of us. Um, and especially if you come from a particularly expressive culture, right? Some cultures really express themselves facially a ton and some cultures don't express themselves facially that much. So that would impact how threatening the masks feel to us. And then over time, of course, we can adapt to anything. Uh, but the question is, is that adaptation in service of our biointelligence and service of our full life force expression, in service of mammals being with other mammals in a co-regulatory loop. As the world begins to open up and as we come to the close of a school year, like what happens for you next? Well, my daughter's going into high school now and she wants to go to high school here. So that's how I'm making the next choice. I just wrote a book. And as you know, from being in the book process, it's a huge offering. And, and this book specifically, you know, the first book that I wrote was really about an aspirational experience that I wish that I would have had that I hope that culturally we rise to the occasion of. This book is really like, I am the Jaguar. Like this is the culmination of my entire life path. So I think there's a postpartum experience to that too. And I have an, another project, the fourth trimester journal that's coming out at the end of June. But I'm really interested in structuring ritual for us to decide how we're going to gather. I want to be a part of this movement towards what does the new culture look like? How do we build the world that we want to belong to? And how do I help build the world that I want my daughter to belong to? Yeah, I really hear that. How do we get together again? How do we be together? Does this ever work? This thing we're doing now? I mean, God, it is it is so nice to see you. Like, I, you know, it it feels pretty great. Is it enough? Well, there's this concept in trauma work called titration. It's a chemical term, and it's when you have two substances and you are looking for one of the substances to change form. So you do it drop by drop. Because if you were to just pour the whole thing in, the container would explode. So you do it drop by drop so that that solution can slowly change form. That's how I help people renegotiate trauma. And that's what I think we all need to keep in mind now is that in some ways the structures are doing the titrating because it was first like, okay, you can go out, but you it's only takeout. And like, okay, now it's okay to sit inside, but wear your mask. Okay, now you can sit inside, but don't wear a mask. But... Because our experiences are so individual, we need to be really tracking how that lives in us. Um, is this enough? For me, it's really a lot better than nothing. Um, there's been a lot of times during this pandemic when I've gone into complete collapse rebellion about it. Just like I want to just flip the tables and like burn Zoom to the ground and don't want to just don't want to do it. It's maybe good enough, but I'm not satisfied by it. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been isolated 
and you haven't been used to being around other people, being around other people is very activating. We're nervous systems interacting with nervous systems and it's flooding our system and we're getting overwhelmed. That is so normal. So we have to titrate it. But that, but titration doesn't also mean opting completely out all the time. So we can opt out some of the time, but you know, instead of going to the party for three hours, you go for 30 minutes and you're like, okay, I'm just getting myself a little bit used to it. Not exposure therapy, not like I'm going to do the thing that feels terrifying and just like do it until I go numb. No, like do it a little bit that feels good and then, you know, go back away. And, and we have to play with this proximity because it's insane. I mean, we've adapted, like you and I are like digging this, but we have two screens between us. And then, so if we were to stand in the same room together, like that's a lot of energy, right? And everything that we've talked about that's gotten built up between that time. I mean, we could just be like, hey, when we get together, maybe we should. The next time we get together, we'll just have like a dance party together before we talk. My pandemic song has been uh, the song by Fela Kuti, Zombie. And, uh, and so that's just been my song of like, just, just bounce it out, get it out, you know, move it. Like there's just, if I can only be in the blahs and the immobilization for so long, like let's move together because as human animals, we have lots of other ways of being together besides connecting brain to brain and voice to voice. And those other ways yeah. are actually, we're starving for them, even if we don't know it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Kim, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you. That was Kimberly Johnson. Her new book is called Call of the Wild, How We Heal Trauma, Awaken Our Own Power, and Use It for Good. Hope you'll join us for Office Hours. It's our weekly coffee break. Producer Sarah Storm and I literally fill our cups and dish about the show with you. This week, we want to know how you're feeling. Tell us what's going on, how you seek support, and most important, what you're doing for others. We'll go live as usual Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll be on the LinkedIn news page. You can also find us by following LinkedIn News or emailing hellomonday at linkedin.com for the link. A special treat this week, you heard Claire Burson right at the top of the show. I asked Claire to record her new song just for us, and she agreed. So stick around after the credits for the full track. You can find more of her work at claireburson.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-B-U-R-S-O-N dot com. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Sarah Storm. Joe DiGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Ariando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Michaela Greer, Samantha Roberson, Carrington York, and Victoria Taylor believe in our connection. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel, and we're back next Monday. Thanks for listening. Maybe I'm just waiting for the fireworks and cheesy parades. Romance in the avenues, they'll shower us in ticker tape. Some royal decree to set us all free. Everyone will hear the bells, we will hear them ring. Just another morning bleeding into one more afternoon. All 
Waking from this long, long night. 